If your faith in Christ is not leading you to live a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus, then you're in danger. It's a message that America needs to hear today. Gospel Saving Church. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Yes. And to hear the word of the Lord today. So I'm so thankful that we live in a country that allows us to have the freedom to read the Bible without persecution. And we live in a place as of right now where we get to have as many Bibles as we want. And we get to have as many churches as we want. And I'm so thankful that God has given us these freedoms. And it's too bad they look like they're in the process of being taken away, but nevertheless, we need to stand strong in our faith, just yes. like our forefathers did and yes. in Christ, and continue to worship the Lord no matter what the government says, no matter what the world says. So, anyway, let's just be thankful to the Lord that we are here and able to hear His Word today. So, if you guys would join me in a word of prayer as we begin our message in Matthew chapter 9. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day, Lord, that you've given us, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your spirit, Lord God, that you give out to those that freely desire you. You give your freely, your spirit freely, Lord God, to all those that desire you. To as many as receive them, to them he gave the right to be called, be called children of God, to become children of God. Thank you so much. You freely give to anyone if they just want it, if they just take it, if they just partake, if they just surrender and partake. I pray you bless this message, Lord, and bless the hearer, bless the speaker. I pray, Lord God, that we wouldn't just listen to your words and then go away and not do them and forget them, Lord. I pray that we'd listen to your words and we'd do them. We'd be doers of your word, Lord God, not just hearers only. I pray this message and these words and your word today would impact those that hear and change their lives, Lord God, and change their lives as I simply just bring the Word on. Nothing more and nothing less. Just the Word of God. Help us as we take a look at you today, Jesus, more and more. Help us to see your love and Godlikeness again. And we love you and we praise you and we thank you. I ask all these things in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. 
So if you guys want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, we're going to be in verses 32, 33, and 34. I use a New King James Bible, and the heading on my New King James Bible is A Mute Man Speaks. So we'll be studying about the mute man that speaks today. So Matthew chapter 9, verses 32, 33, and 34. Let's read them over, and then we'll get down and we'll see what the Lord has to say to us today. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to him, Jesus, a man mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute man spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. So, the title of our message today, When the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. When the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And you'll get that title a little later as we get in. Uh, but let's get to going on verse 32. And let's see what the Lord has to say. Verse 32, I'm just going to read a piece of it and then we'll get into it. Verse 32, as they went out. That's it. That's all we're going to study for the first part of our message. Isn't that amazing? We're going to look at that and that's going to take us to probably 10 or 15 minutes. Because you'd see that. And you think, so what? So what? As they went out. As they went out. What is important about that half of a verse? As they went out. Here's what's important about that piece of a verse. In that one piece of a verse, we see the love and the godlikeness of Jesus Christ. Christ shows us this in this first part of our message, just in this one section of this verse. As you notice, if you can tell, Jesus just got done healing the two blind men. Just gets done. As they went out. Well, they were in a house, probably Peter's house, somewhere in the land of Galilee. As they went out, that tells me that either A, they barely got out the door, and here's some more people bringing somebody needy to Jesus, or they caught him in the doorway as they went out. And then what happens? They, there's the they again, bring another very needy man to Jesus Christ. Now really, as they went out, Jesus wasn't, it doesn't even sound like he got outside the house. Sounds like they were leaving and then all of a sudden they were met at the doorway. I mean, did Jesus ever have a break? Did he ever have any rest? Jesus was always ready though. He had to be. He was quick on his feet. People were constantly bringing him. And he was constantly running into different situations where people were bringing him. This person and that person. And he was running into this situation and running into that situation. It was constantly happening. And you want the, you want the reference? You want the... Because I, I like to back everything up I say in Scripture. I, I don't like just like to say things. 
and then just expect, well, just believe me because I said it. I like to back everything up by the word of God. So what we're going to do is, I told you that little half of a verse, as he or as they went out. We're going to look at a little bit of Jesus' track record up until this point. We're actually going to start in Matthew 1, and we're going to go from Matthew 1 all the way back to Matthew 9. So if that's where you want to go, you can go all the way back to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at the proof, and we're going to look at a little bit about another aspect of what Jesus did in his ministry, and how awesome, actually Matthew 4, excuse me, we're going to look at how awesome his love is for us. Start at the beginning, Matthew chapter 4, because Matthew chapter 4 is what happens is Jesus starts his ministry right around this point. In John 3 slash 4, that's when Jesus gets baptized by John. He was about 30 years old as he got baptized by John the Baptist. He was right around 30. His ministry went on for about three, three and a half years. During that three, three and a half years, it was crazy for him, and that's saying it lightly. It was absolutely crazy for him. So we start in Matthew chapter 4, where it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, that may not seem like that's big of a thing, but when you go to Mark 1.12, we read a little bit different. Matthew just doesn't record this little piece, little important piece that has to do with our message today. Mark 1.12 says, Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Now, he goes from, I mean, he's God-man still, gets baptized by John in the Jordan, then immediately he gets thrusted into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, who in the world could be ready for that? Jesus just went zero to 60 in a split second. Immediately. He was driven into the wilderness. So then, jump back to Matthew 4, because we're still going to be in 4. That's the only reference from any other scripture we're going to give today, as far as other Gospels. Okay? Matthew chapter 4, 18. Now remember, Matthew 1 goes into the wilderness. Right as he's coming back, 4.18, he gets some disciples. Not, not so much, he's just walking along, he gets some disciples. Matthew 4, 23, right after he gets his disciples, he goes around and he starts teaching in the synagogues and healing all kinds of sicknesses, and his fame spreads throughout all the, the whole countryside. His fame starts spreading throughout Syria, all of Israel. His fame just goes forth, which automatically brought, like we talked about last week, automatically brought amazing amounts of people to him. So even at that point right there, he's not even like, He's just got tempted 40 days in the wilderness. He gets some disciples, and right away, he starts getting multitudes of people that are following. You know, we think it's a lot when we walk around in our day, and we may, you know, go into a shopping center that's kind of busy. I know I used to hate to go grocery shopping. My wife does that for me now. And when she goes to the store, she hates to go on the weekends because there's just so many people. So that's stressful enough right there to be walking around a grocery store on the weekends because it's so many people on the weekends. There's so many. Imagine Jesus. 40, 50 days after he gets baptized or after his temptation of the wilderness, all of a sudden he's got constant multitudes of people around him for three and a half years. Wow. That's stressful. 
That is super, super stressful. So, Matthew 4.23 goes around and That leads us to Matthew 5 through 7, where he sees all these people coming. And what does he do? In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, he goes up on the mountain, and he teaches the Sermon on the Mount to multitudes of people. Now, again, not so busy so far as far as like things being thrown at him and things kind of coming at him like our first verse today as they went out, but watch this. Here we go to Matthew chapter 8. Now, Matthew chapter 7 ended, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 8 begins. What happens to him in Matthew chapter 8? Well, Matthew chapter 8, 1 through 2, when he come down from the mountain, from the Sermon on the Mount, great multitudes followed him, verse 2, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, he just got done with a tremendous service, and I can sympathize with this, because after I get done teaching on Sundays, after I get done with this message, I get up and I like to go relax a little bit. So I, you know, I can, you know, need a little wind down. It's it's kind of hard on me to sit here and teach, and and you know, I, I get real excited about the Word of God. So it's kind of it's it's kind of takes a lot out of me, and I like to relax and I like to rest after my messages a little bit and just take the day. Well, here Jesus comes down from the mountain, no rest, bam, a leper comes and worships him, saying, "Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean." So he does that. Matthew 8, 5, which is, again, it's the very next thing that happens. Jesus entered Capernaum, and a centurion came to him, pleading with him. That was the next thing. So he, done with the leper, travels a little bit, out of nowhere, boom, a, a centurion comes, pleading with him. Then, 8, 14, Jesus gets done with that. He, go, he walks into Peter's house after he's been told, of course, and this is right after the centurion, he walks into Peter's house to guess what? To find Peter's mother-in-law laying sick. Bam. Hit him. Right off the bat. He has to heal Peter's mother-in-law. Matthew 8, 16. When evening came. So you got a little break there in the middle of the day. Many were brought to him for exorcisms. Matthew 8, 16. He gets done with those. Matthew 8, 18-23. A tired Jesus, after he gets done with all these exorcisms, all these demonic activity going on, Jesus gets done with all these. He, a tired Jesus tells his disciples to get into the boat, to go to the other side. But while he's tired, and we talked about this in this sermon uh, months ago, while he was tired, he's ready to get in the boat because we know he was tired because he fell asleep even during a huge storm. So he was tired. Jesus did get tired. He was part man. And while he was getting into the boat, two people come to him, interrupting him. One has a question, and one says, oh, I'll follow you, wherever you go, I'll, I'll follow you. And Jesus has to talk to those guys. After he just got done with this whole big mess and doing all these exorcisms and all these multitudes of people, he just wants to get away for a little bit. Goes to get, as he's going to get the, there's break time. All right, I get to have a break. Bam, two guys come to him out of the middle of nowhere. Remember I said Jesus was always on his toes. He gets done with these. He's trying to sleep. He's in the boat, Matthew 8, 23-27. He's sleeping. He actually gets to go to sleep. Out of nowhere. Big storm comes. Disciples with no faith, fearing for their lives, come. Jesus, Jesus, get up. Don't you care we're perishing? He can't even get sleep. He can't even rest. Disciples come. Jesus, Jesus, we need your help. Help us, please help us. He gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves. That's the end of that map. Matthew 28, they get to the other side. What happens? He meets a madman. 
from the Gerasenes, who comes charging out. No man can pass that way. It, he steps off the boat. Raw! Here's this evil guy. No one can pass that way. So you, how do you feel when you get interrupted in the middle of a nap? I know I don't like that. I know I like to finish my nap if I've got a nap going. Even then, it's hard to get up from a nap and really kind of be cognizant enough to kind of go out there. But Jesus, being the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, there's that God-likeness we talked about earlier, gets right up from a nap in an abruptness too, stands up, rebukes the wind and the waves and the disciples. They get to the other side. Bam! Demon-possessed man hits him. Then he has to face him. He gets done with that. Matthew 9, 1 through 2. Just got done with that now. After the demon-possessed man, Jesus got in a boat. He came back over to the other side of his own city. And behold, they brought to him a paralytic man. So I get this scene again. Coming back over, crossing back over the lake again. Steps off the boat. Boom! There's a paralytic. He had to heal him. Just one after the other, after the other, after the other. Matthew 9, 9. Just gets done with them. Gets some more disciples, Matthew. And while he's fellowshipping with them, while he's eating with them, tax collectors come. Hey, man, what are you doing eating with tax collectors and sinners? He has to stomp out that tremendous mess. Just got done. He's having a nice fellowship. Gets another disciple, Matthew. Another interruption. Another attack. He gets Matthew. Pharisees come. Matthew 9, 14 through 17. While Jesus was still eating with Matthew and the others and dealing with the Pharisees, John's disciples come. He was all, all those situations were all still there. The Pharisees were still there attacking him. Matthew, the tax collectors and sinners are still all around him. Then John's disciples come to him. He can't, one after the next, after the next, after the next. Matthew 9, 18. While he spoke these things to them, that's how the Bible says it. Matthew 9, 18. While he spoke these things to them. And, again, remember, all the other stuff is still going on with, that we just brought up. Then a ruler comes and worships him right in the middle of all the people. My daughter's just died. Please come lay your hand on him while she still lives. While he's on the way with this guy's daughter, he's just started walking to go get this guy's daughter healed and raise her from the dead and so on and so forth. Matthew 9, 19. Woman with the issue of blood comes. If I can only just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed right in the middle. That stops him. That came from out of nowhere. She came from the back, touched the garment, then he stops, has to turn around. One after the another, after the another, after the another. Matthew 9, 27. He gets done with that, goes to the guy's house, heals the guy's daughter, leaves from there. As he's leaving from there, two blind men start following him, begging for a healing. And then we have today, Matthew 9, 32. He gets done with the two blind men, as he's done with the two blind men, he's walking out again, Matthew 9, 22, as they went out. All I can say is wow. And, and, we only looked at that one reference from Mark. You may not know this. God showed this to me. Matthew didn't record everything that happened in those nine chapters. Mark adds some stuff that happened to him in those places. Luke adds some more things that happened to him in these nine chapters. John, there's a whole nother mess of things that was going on. So Matthew just records a piece. Now, could you imagine? I work for a retailer. And in spring, we sell a lot of plants. I work with plants in my retailer. And in the spring only, for about three or four months, I work about five hours a day. 
It's a constant from the time I get to work to the time I leave my five hours. People are pulling me left, right, up, down, straight, back, every which way. I've got a, one customer asking me a question here, one customer wants this, employees wanting to know I sold something, what did this guy need? I feel like an absolute, I can go crazy. This is for just five hours a day, just for about three or four months. Jesus here went through all this for the better part of three and a half years, from sun up to sun down. How would you like to have all this thrown at you? And here's the kicker. He really literally almost every time had no time to prepare for these things being thrust at him. The things just came and they just, he was there and they just fell, fell in his lap. One after another, after another, after another, and they just hit him. At one, after another, after another. He had no time to prepare. I know for my sake, I, there was no way I could have ever done this. So, his love. Why did he do all this? Why did he face all those things? Why did he allow himself to be pressured? and pulled, and picked, and, and come at, because of his love for us, because of his love for mankind. He wanted to show people how much he loved us, because he could have just not done anything. He could have drove the people away. He is 100% God, 100% man. He could have spoke a word, and the angels could have come and just driven everybody back. He could have never done all the miracles in the first place which would have kept a lot of people away. A lot of people wouldn't have come at all. But he didn't. He let people come. He showed his love for them. Also, we can see his God like this, like I've been saying all along. What human being do you know, think in your mind right now, because I can't think of one, what regular human being would have been able to handle this type of regimen for three to three and a half years, day in and day out. I don't I can't think of one of them. There's no way that he wasn't a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man. Yet, here's a kicker that I left out. Here's one thing that I left out. A tremendous thing that I left out. So all this is going on. I bet you're thinking, well, certainly at you know, at least at night, he got to go to bed, you know, he got to sleep all night long, he got to rest and really recoup from the day. Not quite. Luke 6.12, Matthew 14.23. 14.23, Luke 6.12. Now it came to pass in those days, in the days when all this was happening to him, that he went up into the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer unto God. So he was sun up to sundown, healing the sick, the lame, the lepers, the centurions, giving sermons, teaching people, going here, going there, crossing over, healing the demon-possessed. And when night comes, all right, I'm going to stretch out and get, uh, get to sleep. Not quite. Well, let me go up into the mountain all night long and continue in prayer all night long. Matthew 14, 23. When he sent the multitudes away, after he had just fed like thousands and thousands of people, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was all alone there. And it continues on to go that he, when he came down, he, that's when he came across and he, he walked on the water and he got in the disciples' boat. No sleep then. No sleep then either. When did the guy sleep? We know that he had to sleep. He was still part man. But he must have slept. 
but we just don't read about it that much. We read about a tremendous life full of doing things for others. Jesus was a complete servant to others. He completely loved others so much that he came in the form of a bondservant. Not holding who he really was. He didn't exalt who he really was. He didn't stand up and say, oh, I'm God, worship me. He came as a servant to all. He came as a servant to all. And in Philippians, Paul tells us, have this mind in you who, like Christ Jesus, basically he gave up. He didn't acknowledge, he didn't exalt it over people who he really was. Instead, he took the form of a servant and came to serve us, to show us his love, to show us his grace, to show us his mercy. And then after he showed us grace and after he showed us mercy, for he says that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, then he would go up on the mountain and continue all night in prayer. How many times did he do that? We don't even know, but we know it just wasn't a couple. He had to commune with the Father. Jesus was amazing. And despite all this craziness and being busy, he always was ready. No matter what came at him, he was always ready. I want to be like that. Because I know I can't hardly handle one thing that comes at me when I'm not ready. Amen? Whew! Back to our text today. Let's read the rest of verse 32 and move forward. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. Now, his new case, a mute man. That was demon-possessed. The guy had a demon, and he couldn't talk. So if you were a doctor today, if I've got any doctors listening, how would you like to heal? How would you like to hear, excuse me, this case? This guy couldn't speak, and he had a demon. That's pretty crazy. Today, you know what we do with these types of people? We just lock them in insane asylums, and they just pump them full of drugs, and that's all that they do. Really, today, there's really, people have no answers for people that are in this type of case that was brought to Jesus. That would be scary. But, after all, and I say again, Jesus was 100% God, and he was 100% man. So then every reference to Jehovah God would be also referenced to Jesus. And in Exodus 15, 26, we hear that God, the Jehovah God, is called Jehovah Rapha. And that is the Lord that heals us. So Jesus, of course, would have that same quality. And he would be Jehovah Rapha. So for him, no matter what was brought to him, he healed them all. There wasn't anybody he couldn't heal. He healed them all. He was the great Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 15, 26. So, verse 33. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. Here, we actually don't get it. We don't get to hear anything he told him. We don't get to hear what, you know, he's spitting his ears. Other times when we healed the mute, he would put the, his fingers in the guy's ears and pull his fingers out and the guy would hear and you know the one guy that was blind you know he spit in his eyes and then you know can you see and you know I, I can see men like walking like trees but here we don't get to hear or see any of the way that Jesus does it it just says verse 33 and when the demon was cast out the mute spoke but another interesting point that we can see here and I, and, I, and I stress this extremely because I, I'm very careful the way I teach the Word of God. 
this section of scripture, God really showed me something here. That this mute demons this guy was really a picture of a spiritual picture that we have today. This scripture doesn't mean this. So thus saith the Lord, the scripture is not, this is what this scripture means. But we really see a spiritual truth in this section of scripture. Because let, let's catch something here. Verse 33. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. Did you catch that? When the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. So, in other words, the demon was the reason why he couldn't hear. It doesn't say that he didn't hear and Jesus healed his muteness and then cast the demon out. The Bible says in verse 33 that Jesus cast out the demon when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. God showed me something in this. God showed me something really neat that we parallel to, this, to today. The spiritual truth that I see here is this. The sinful ways of mankind are the result or the consequence of our spiritual uncleanness before God. Let me explain. If you're an alcoholic, or you're a fornicator, or you're an adulterer, or you're just an all-out evil, wicked guy. It's not because you're just a little misguided why that happens. The Bible says that it's because you're lost in sin. And those things that you do are a result of you being unclean before God. So your spiritual uncleanness that's within you makes all those things happen for the bad. Ephesians 2, 3 tells us that people by nature are children of wrath. That means when we're born, when we're babies, we're born as sinners. We're born as spiritually dark people. Naturally, the Bible says people are essentially evil and our hearts are wicked. This is what the Bible says. In this section here, we have Paul speaking pretty much to the whole world types of people in Romans 3, 9 through 18. And he's talking to Gentiles and Jews. But when he says Gentiles and Jews, let me explain for a moment. Whenever you hear the word Gentile, that means everybody that's not a Jew. And when you hear Jew, that means everybody that's a Jew. So there's non-Jews in the world, whether you're Muslim or whether you're American or whether you're German or whatever your religious preference is, and then there's Jew. Okay, so when he speaks to Gentiles and Jews, he's speaking to people of every nationality, of every ethnicity, all over the whole world. So he tells everybody in the whole world, here in Romans 3, 9 through 18, he says, What then? Are we better than they? Speaking of Jews versus Gentiles. Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands, you could say God. There is none who seeks after God. Verse 12. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. 
and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Remember, Jews, Greeks, Jews, Gentiles, he's speaking to the whole world. There's none who does good. There's none who seeks after God. What do you mean? Wait, then everybody's lost. Yes, everybody's lost. And Jesus speaks in the New Testament, the Bible, the New Testament talks about how God draws people to himself. God draws mankind. People don't just seek after God. I remember Paul speaking to the Areopagans. And he said, oh, God at various times and in various ways has put all people in certain places and this and that and the other thing so that they may seek him. So God made the first move. The Lord God wants people to get saved. So he made the first move. He's calling out to people. God is calling out to people. People are not naturally seeking God. People don't naturally go and they, they just don't naturally, by their nature, emulate toward God. So like the mute man today, who was controlled by the sinful demon in him, because he was controlled, he could not hear because of that demon. The demon was the one that made him not be able to hear. When people, like I said it before, are thieves, alcoholics, adulterers, fornicators, any kind of slave to any sin, it's because of their spiritual darkness or in or uncleanness. The sin that people are a slave to is not because they're misguided. It's because they're in spiritual darkness. Remember my sermon that I did, What's in You? Matthew 6, 22 and 23. I'm going to read it over now. That's why Jesus says, The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, your, if your eye is good... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you that is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's given a picture. Remember, he gave a picture of two types of people. The person that's saved and the person that's unsaved. The person that's in darkness or the person that's in light. And if they're in light, then how great is that light? Because their eye's going to show it, which means their whole body's going to be full of light. They're going to be doing light things. They're going to be doing God things. But if their body's full of darkness, they're going to be doing dark things. They're of the devil. So the only way that we can stop practicing our evil ways and deeds is just like the demon-possessed man here in our scripture. What did he do? We, just like him, have to come to Christ and obey the calling that God has for all people, his drawing on all people, and he will cast that darkness and that uncleanness out of us. At that point, we can start to master our sinful passions, and we can have victory over ourselves. Listen to what Paul says in that full scope of things in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you, Paul, speaking to Christians, he made a lot. Who's he? God, Jesus Christ, and you, Christian, if you're following Christ, and you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, listen to the darkness, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and that's Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conduct ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were... By nature, children of wrath, just as the others. And just like the mute man, just like we today, Jesus says in John chapter 8, 34 to 36, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. 
Whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Just a little bit of connection there. Again, not thus saith the Lord. That's what this means. That's, that's he gave us this picture of the mute man so that we could see that. But just as a spiritual truth of today, a spiritually sad truth of today. Back to our scripture. End of verse 33. The multitude. The multitudes marveled at this work that they saw, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. So the multitude marveled at the demon, or at the exorcism of the demon that was in the mute man. The multitudes marveled. This is an awesome response. I think a better one would have been them falling down at his feet and worshiping him. But we get what we get. The multitudes marveled. They did the right thing. They had the right attitude toward Jesus and the miracle that he just did. I think it was a great response. Verse 34. <clears throat> but the Pharisee said, He casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. Verse 34. So basically what happens here? Well, the devil has himself a captive. Just like the devil has himself captives today. The devil had himself a captive in this mute man. So what do we see? We see that Satan sends his boys, his servants, the Pharisees, the religious zealots, the religious leaders that were supposed to be leading people to God, but instead what they were doing was, is they were mocking the one true God. So Satan sends his boys in there to attack Jesus. We know they're Satan's boys by John 8.44 when Jesus was talking to some other Jews who didn't like what they saw, the things that he was doing, and he tells them, You are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. And sadly today, when Christ sets someone free today, we still see that same kind of picture. We still see Satan sending his, the people that are following him after us to attack us. As I know every real Christian has gotten attacked. People just don't like them. And Peter writes about it in 1 Peter 4, 1-4. And he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Then he no longer should live in the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we, speaking of the redeemed, speaking of those that have come to Christ and have been reborn, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing what the will of the Gentiles is. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, rubberies, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these things that you could say we still don't do or we just won't do because we love God now. So in regard to these things, Peter says, they, which would be the people that you left to go away and come to God, that you stopped doing all these wicked things with, and then they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. So we even see that even in Peter's day, when he wrote 1 Peter, 
that people in those days were coming at people that were getting saved, that were turning from their sins and coming to Christ. Christ was freeing them. What was happening, Peter says, that they think it's strange and they're speaking evil of you because you just don't do and won't do the same things that you did before when you were in darkness. Still happening today. So we have this sharp contrast here. In the last section of our scripture, we're going to look at this very sharp contrast. We have a two sharp contrast. We have one, we have the multitudes that were all around Jesus. And on the one side, they marveled. And they, oh wow, look at what Jesus, it's never been seen like this in all of Israel. They marveled. And then the other side, they called him a friend of Satan. Of this is a tremendous, crazy contrast. Why? How could this be? Which brings us to the last point of our message that I'll make today. What made these two camps of people respond to Jesus so differently? What made these two different camps of people respond to Jesus' Christ, Jesus Christ's miracle the way that they did? One called him a friend of Satan. Serious? And one marveled. They were in marvel. They were in awe. Oh, wow. Look at what he just did. Oh, wow. That's awesome. What made him do it? The mute man received a deliverance, and the Pharisees showed contempt. Well, remember what I said earlier. Those in darkness and the works that they show are going to be in darkness. The mute man, he was in darkness. He had that spiritual bondage on him of the, of the demon-possessed man. And the Pharisees are a great picture here of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 10 through 13, where it says, Bible says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Remember, the Jews were a chosen people of God. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the answer to how can we get these two different categories of people is called a measure of faith. Everybody in the world is given a measure of faith to have a belief in God, to have a belief in Jesus Christ. The mute man, along with those that brought him to Jesus, along with those that marveled, they used their measure of faith to receive Christ as who he was and what he could do. And the measure of faith that the Pharisees had been given they wasted and they refused to repent and who and believe in who and what Jesus and who Jesus Christ was and what he could do. It is sad, but it is true. And we still have two camps of people to this very day that we have right now. So I'd like to ask you guys and anybody that's listening. What camp are you in? To everybody is dealt a measure of faith. 
What are you doing with your measure of faith that God has given to you? Some bad news first. The two bad camps first. We got three camps here because there are three different camps. There's a third one that I didn't record. We didn't get to see a picture of today, but I'll describe it. If sin controls you, then remember, sin is the consequence and the result of your spiritual uncleanness or the darkness that's within you. So if sin controls you, and I don't care now, and I'm speaking to whoever's listening out here now, this is biblical truth, and we just read today, if sin controls you, just like sin, control the demon-possessed man, you know, the light that's within you, if it's darkness, how great is that darkness? If you're engulfed and consumed in sin, I don't care if you've prayed a prayer. I don't care if you've asked Jesus to come in your heart. Oh, Jesus, I need you. Oh, I love you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. That means nothing to God if you pray those words, which are, are just simple words, and then you go right out having no intention of really desiring a walk with God. And you continue to walk in the ways that you've always walked. And you have no desire. You've only wanted Jesus as a get out of hell free card. So if you continue to let any sin control you. And you continue to be addicted to things in this life and in this world. And you don't see any breakages in those things. And you don't see any release from those things then the Bible says that you are still full of darkness, you are still full of uncleanness, and you're still on your way to hell. Jesus said, remember, John 8, that the Son of Man has come to make people free. He did not come to save people, but then still leave them in the bondage of sin. He did not come to save people, and if you're really saved, well, that's good that you're saved. Well, now you can still be an alcoholic and you can still be a drug addict and you can still be addicted to your pornography and your sexual, you know, all your evil sexual preferences that you have, your sexual immorality. He didn't come to set you free and leave you to be in bondage and control of all your sin and your sinful ways. For if the Son of Man came to set man free, they should be free indeed. Now, there is a difference between I'm a Christian and I love Jesus and I still will fall occasionally and I still will sin because I'm, I'm not perfect. That's a little bit different. Your gauge there, your, your sights there are set on heavenly things. Your sights there are set on godly things. Your, sets, your sights are set on Jesus Christ. And as you go about trying to make him happy, as you live your life trying to be pleasing to God, trying to continue to have faith, trying to continue to walk the walk and fight the good fight of faith, you still will sin occasionally. It's going to happen. And there's a difference between that and, no, sin controls me. I'm consumed in sin. In fact, I can't even stop sinning. There's a difference. And if that's you, the Bible says that there's only one remedy, folks. The only one remedy is like the mute man today. He came to Jesus Christ. He came. And why by that coming, he knew that he was in the wrong. You don't just become demon-possessed by living a good godly life. The guy had lived a wicked life. Lived in wickedness. And you invite the demons in when you live in wickedness. So when the guy came to Jesus in his filth, 
Basically, in his heart of hearts, he was crying out to God, God, please save me. I don't want to be this way anymore. He came with a step of repentance. God wants you to come on your drawing on his life. If you're listening to this and you go, I'm, I'm still stuck in sin. I'm still consumed in sin. Then there's hope for you. The Bible says that's not all until you die in that. The Bible says that if you come to Christ like the mute man, and you come and you fall down at his feet, or you come and worship him, and you come in repentance, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. Set me free. And the Bible says that he will set you free. There's only one fix, Jesus Christ. And only he can cast the uncleanness out of you. Only he. Category two. It's a category we didn't get to see a picture of today. Have you come to Christ? And maybe he saved you. Maybe you are born again or you've been born again and you know what it's like and you know what the good things of God taste like and you know and you've tasted the good things of the Bible. And you've walked with God for a long time, but now you're backslidden. <clears throat> now you've fallen away from God. You no longer walk with Him. You're no longer surrendering to His Lordship in your life. Then please listen to the words of Christ here, because it's very important if you're hearing this and you feel the Holy Spirit talking to you. Matthew 12, 43-45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. This is a picture of a man who gets saved. And the Holy Spirit comes in and he cleans up this house. And he makes this house clean. But then when the Spirit comes back, that person's walking in error now. He's not completely living a devoted life to Christ. Now he's strayed from the path. He's living in his old sinful ways. And a demon comes back and he sees that that house is, 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 is put in order, but he sees it way back in. Verse 45, Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. That's what the Bible says to any that have walked away for straight away from the path. That the path of that man, that the state of that man will be worse than the first. And Peter says in Second Peter, Chapter 2, verse 20 through 22. If after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are, and are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse than, for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than have knowing it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, having washed, having been washed up to her own wallowing in the mire. Now, if this is striking a chord with you, I'm, I don't believe once saved, always saved. I don't believe that, well, once I came to Christ, I'm saved. Now I can live any way I want. I'm good to go with God. The Bible says that you must endure to the end in salvation. You must endure to the end in a walk with Jesus Christ. You can't give up halfway through and give up on God and walk away from God and, God and still expect God to still be there for you unless I beg you and I plead with you as if God is pleading through me. The Bible says that there is hope for you still. The Bible talks about a, a parable that Jesus gave of the parable of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son, he went away from dad. He went away from God the Father. It's a picture of that. 
And he walks away and he takes everything with him. He goes and lives back in himself. And he goes lives and backs in his evil ways. And then when he's in the midst of his evil, he comes to himself and he realizes, wait a minute, what am I doing? If that's you today and you're listening to this message and you realize, what am I doing? What am I doing? And the Bible says that when he came back, the Father, who was a representation of God, was looking for him. And as he came back, the Father, which is a representation of God, ran to him, embraced him, kissed his neck, welcomed him back in wholly and fully. Take my ring and put it on his finger. Take my cloak, take my robe, put it back on him. That's the hope that there is for you today. That if you have known Christ and you have walked away and are again living in sin, there is hope for you again still. Come, please come. Now if you come to Christ and you're staying with him, then I exhort you, brothers and sisters, in the covenant of the holy blood of the Son of Jesus Christ, continue to fight the good fight of faith. Continue to run the race to the finish line. Continue to grow closer to Jesus Christ yes. and God your Holy Father every single day. And please, Christian, please listen to me. Get into the Word of God on a regular basis. The Bible says that the Word of God is holy and it's alive and it's living. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, God's words are in his holy book. And you won't live that long if you just live on a Sunday. How would your fleshly body do if you only heard or read the word of God on Sunday only? Or how would your, excuse me, how would your fleshly body do if you only ate once a week? Your fleshly body needs to eat every day. So does your spirit, man. Yes. So does your spirit, man. It needs to eat every day. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was talking about our spirit, man. Get into the word of God daily and keep living for him and keep loving him. And that will increase your walk with God and yes. grow you closer to God. Your faith will increase and your, your deeds for Christ will increase and it will be a natural flow of what's happening on the inside. Continue to persevere, saints. Continue to persevere. For God loves everybody. He wants a deep personal relationship with everybody. Not just Sundays. Not just once a week. He wants a deep personal walk with everybody every single day. So come, everybody come. Grow closer or come, period. Come, please, before it's too late. God loves you, and he died for your sins and wants all mankind to be saved. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you so much for your grace that you still are giving out to us, Lord God, every single day. Your hand is outstretched still to people all over the world, Lord God, today. But very few people are taking it. I pray, dear God, right now, whoever's hearing this message, that they would come to Jesus just like the mute man did today that we read about. And come and just in his heart, in their heart of hearts, Lord God, I pray that they would cry out to you right now, realizing I'm not right with God. I've walked away. Or you know what? I am in darkness. Sin does control me. And just come to Christ. And just come to Christ, Lord God. Bring him to Christ. 
draw them to you, Jesus. Draw them to you. I pray you'd save them, dear God. Right now, Lord God, they cry in their hearts, and I pray you'd save them as they cry out to you, Lord. That's what your word promises. If anyone calls out on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. I pray that they would come. And Lord, I pray for all of us that are yours that maybe listen to this message. God, thank you so much that we have escaped the pollution of this world. Now I just pray, Lord God, that we would be hitting our knees more. That we be praying more. That we be seeking your face more. That we be getting in your word more, Lord God. I pray your Holy Spirit would well up within us, Lord God, a brand new passion, Lord God, to just more of your word and more of you and more of your power. To flow within us, Lord God, and not just to us, but then to even tell others about you. Break our hearts, dear God, for the lost. Break our hearts to know you more. Break our hearts for your word. And draw us closer to you, Lord Jesus. Draw us closer to you, Lord Jesus Christ, please. We want to know you more. I praise you and I thank you, dear God all these things in the mighty name in the precious name in the holy name of Jesus Christ Amen We would like to thank everyone who has joined us today to listen to Pastor Ed Spagnoli bring us more biblical truth as he preaches verse by verse through the Bible It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged to respond to the word of the Lord today as one life will soon be passed, and only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. If you would like to support this ministry, or contact us for prayer, or for any reason at all, please visit gospelsavingchurch.com and enjoy our beautiful new website and click on the appropriate links. God bless you.